What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome Waiver Wire Show, the week three edition. I am Matt Kajeski here with Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajeski. You can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Our title sponsor today is Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in all of fantasy sports. And before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when this and all other Osmo content goes live. It is also the best way to support Kyle and myself. So let's see how many likes we can rack up in the chat today. And as always, it is the waiver wire show. So throw those questions into the chat so Kyle and I can dive in. And wow, do we have our work cut out for us this week, Kyle. It was the injury apocalypse. How did you fare? Did your lineups and your seasonal lineups make it out unscathed? So I've had two, like what last week was not a good DFS week, but I've had some pretty good luck season long. I went pretty receiver heavy and I happened to nail, like I had a lot of Calvin Ridley, had a decent amount of like Juju who had a good week one. So my season long leagues have been doing quite well. I have some like, you know, mid stakes, not like crazy high stakes, but some mid stakes dynasty leagues. Uh, you know, a handful of industry leagues that I would like to win, even if there's not a giant sum of money on the table. I'm doing well in those. I got buried in DFS last week. I basically, like, I, I made, I will say, one catastrophic mistake that it didn't matter after that. I pivoted all of my Dallas shares to solely Ezekiel Elliott, thinking that if he punches in a handful of touchdowns, I make a lot of money at the expense of people who went heavy on, on one of the craziest ownership condensations we've ever seen with, like, all of the receivers, Dak Prescott, all getting a ton of ownership. I figured Zeke was the only way to attack this game differently. And I don't feel awful about it. I don't think it was like disgusting process. They got to the inside the five, like four times he scored once and Dak Prescott puts in three rushing touchdowns. I'm fine with that. I don't think I made like any egregious mistakes. Aaron Jones may be a guy I wish I was on more, but really, uh, you know, after not stacking Dallas, it kind of didn't matter. Yeah. I play in one high stake season league and it's with some friends and I made the mistake of getting the number two overall pick. So Saquon Barkley, he is, oh man, that was real tough for me. I also have George Kittle. You know, I drafted Cam Akers, so some mistakes there, but I am in a dire straits. I, I picked up Rashad Perriman on the waiver wire just to plug him in as a, going to throw him out there this week. So hope he does well without Crowder. He goes down. So 0-2 start, it's not looking good for me. But so we're going to talk about the big news right away, and this will probably be a longer segment for us today, given what we saw last week. We touched on Saquon Barkley. He is done with the ACL, but he is not the only running back that suffered an injury. Christian McCaffrey has an ankle and we just got word this morning. It looks like it's going to be a multi-week injury. So if you got the one or the two pick in your leagues, you're scrambling to the waiver wire right away. Who are the guys behind Saquon and McCaffrey that we should look to? Yeah, I, I mean, behind Saquon, there's a handful of guys, Wayne Gallman. I think last year when Wayne Gallman uh, got the one start, he ended up being like the cash game, the, the free square that week and had a decent week. Uh, you know, he was super cheap and he probably scored a touchdown and caught some passes or something. With Deion Lewis in the fold, though, I don't think you can project him to just jump into a very sizable workload for the cost of a waiver wire addition. I would project Deion Lewis is, is I don't want to say the guy, but he's at least the 1A and he has a lot of receiving chops. He's a guy who throughout his time, whether he's getting, you know, miscast in Tennessee or just not used in Tennessee or getting the bulk of the work or a lot of work in New England, that's been one way he's absolutely shined is as a pass catcher. So, I, and I liked him out of New England. I thought he was a good signing by Tennessee, but obviously they had King Henry and it just didn't matter. You didn't need to get Deion Lewis on the field. I think once Deion Lewis is on the field, he's a guy who makes sense to fill in the Saquon Barkley receiving role. So he's probably the number one priority waiver wire pickup this week. 
Wayne Gallman, though, at least deserves to be rostered because as much as I like Deion Lewis, in no way am I confident that he is the 1A or the 1 to Wayne Gallman's 2. You have to at least pick up Gallman for the upside that he beats out Deion Lewis or just gets like they, they split close to even. For McCaffrey, it's Mike Davis. I'm not I'm not super excited about getting Mike Davis. I think we saw Curtis Samuel get a handful of carries. I didn't watch the game, but he got a handful of carries. Maybe that's a way they choose to use Curtis Samuel, basically a gadget player dating back to his time at Ohio State. I think he transitions, like specifically transitioned from running back to receiver in his final or maybe a second to final season at Ohio State. Maybe he, I don't want to say transitions back, but they kind of use him as sort of a Cordero Patterson in a way. So for me, that backfield's a bit less enticing. Any interest for you in Mike Davis? He did like straight up beat out Reggie Bonifon, who I think got cut amid the, the 53 man cut down. So maybe that's a positive sign that they actually do like him as the backup. Mike Davis got the receiving work. I'd been hoping Christian McCaffrey would get the first two weeks. The dude has eight targets. He gets eight catches and he only had one carry. So it's, you know, I think Mike Davis is probably the guy you want to look at there, but I am a little bit worried about the Curtis Samuel gadget stuff. He carried four times, 26 yards. So that, you know, we also don't know how long McCaffrey will be out. It just said multi-week, which could be, maybe he goes on the three-week injured reserve. Maybe he's out a little bit longer. We just have to wait and see on that. So no, the New York situation is a little more interesting to me just because when you pick someone up, you might get them for the entire year. You know, if Deion Lewis does beat out Wayne Gallman, he could be a starter for you for most of the year. Now, there's rumors that Devontae Freeman could sign there as well. He reportedly is traveling there for a workout. So we just don't know. It's Monday morning. I'm assuming we'll have a better idea later in the day today whether they sign Devontae Freeman or not. With that said, he's a guy that wasn't successful last year. He's a guy who will just be joining the team on a few days' notice ahead of week three. I still would prefer Deion Lewis in that situation. But those weren't our only running back injuries. Raheem Mostert goes down with an MCL sprain. I mean, there were so many injuries in that San Francisco game on the defensive side of the ball. It was sad to see Mostert go down too after he breaks the mile per hour record in the NFL the last two years. It was something like 23 miles an hour for Raheem Mostert. And can we look to Tevin Coleman? Can we look to Jerick McKinnon? McKinnon was nice. He had a really nice long run. Coleman was absolutely brutal. It was like 14 carries for 12 yards. Would you prefer one or the other in that situation? Yeah, so I was tasked with uh, writing up news for this game for Roto World. It was a bloodbath. I thought, well, at least there's no real <laughs> fantasy relevant players. The Jets suck. Everyone died. And supposedly it was the the Jets stadium that they had new turf there that people said that that was uh, like team cited this as a reason that they thought that they were kind of sticking on the turf a bit. So, and I mean, there is evidence that something went wrong there because everyone got injured. Raheem Mostert's injury, you talked about it with Christian Free. You're not buying his backups as long-term starters where you could get a like a full season long starter out of Deion Lewis. So he is clearly the number one guy you want to be picking up. Raheem Mostert's backups. Tevin Coleman is probably rostered in every league. I would go out and get him, obviously, if he's not. But Jarek McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon converted a third and 31. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life, especially not without a penalty, like just straight up converted it. And I think they ended up like going down for a field goal on that drive. He also scored a touchdown and he's clearly going to be the receiving back. I saw in week one, he got like a, a flywheel route that was like a deep target down the field. He's a guy who's super athletic and on that third and 31, despite he missed, I believe, two years ago, it was the ACL injury. And then there were further complications with it last year, which is why he hasn't played in two years. He still looked athletic, man. He has some juice left. And Tevin Coleman ran like 14 carries for 12 yards or something. So I want the guy who has PPR upside. I guess if you're in a standard league, obviously go with Tevin Coleman. 
neither of these guys give you a ton of long-term upside, but Jarrett McKinnon is probably the guy for me and Tevin Coleman probably also rostered. For sure. I'm going to run through a couple other injuries, at least some of the larger ones, and I could just get your take on some of these. So what we saw on Sunday, as far as big news, Paris Campbell goes down. Reportedly, his ACL is intact, and he escaped with a sprain. Now, that was a severe injury by the looks of it, so I think we're still looking at a multi-week absence for Paris Campbell. We had Sterling Shepard go down with a toe injury. Rashad Perriman goes down with the ankle, leaving the Jets to just trot out Braxton Berrios and Chris Hogan, each who saw, I believe it was eight targets. Yeah, We had Sammy Watkins with a concussion, and we saw Cortland Sutton suffer another injury. We haven't heard a lot of word on Sutton. Any big takeaways out of those guys? Again, it was Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard, Sammy Watkins, Cortland Sutton, just to name a few, Brashad Perriman as well. Yeah, on the Jets players, don't play any Jets players. They suck. They're a terrible team, and they don't deserve <laughs> to even be in the NFL. They're like an AAF quality team or something. Not even – like the, the Houston Roughnecks could beat them. I'm pretty sure the Houston, Houston Roughnecks could have beaten them. So don't play any of them. If you think you're going to get some cheap targets by playing Chris Hogan, maybe you are, and maybe he catches two of his targets for 20 yards or whatever. Braxton Berrios scored in garbage time. Not a guy I'm looking to. Even Chris Herndon like, got four targets. He's not even like – like I expected, I expected going into this week that since they had no receivers, that he would be functioning as the number one receiver. It didn't happen. He's a guy I, you can cut, get, get him off the roster like Logan Thomas, Jordan Reed, all these streaming tight ends. I'll take him over Chris Herndon on the Giants side. I would think, I mean, I know it doesn't, uh, their roles don't necessarily overlap, but I am just seeing Darius Slayton as this team's number one receiver. We saw they had a quiet, like I, all the Giants had a quiet week in, in week two. Week one, he really broke out or, or broke out for a second time after breaking out multiple times. In his rookie season, he's the only guy who I think has real big splash play potential on a team that is now without their home run hitting running back. I would imagine they look to him even more, and I would imagine they just throw to their running backs less because, I mean, Saquon Barkley deserves a high target share. Deion Lewis is a good pass catcher, but he's not going to consume every single target. Neither will Devonta Freeman. So I would think we see even more passes to their receivers in general. So this is good news for Golden Tate, and it just continues to point the arrow up on Darius Slayton, who is a guy that, like, I know he's playing well so far. I would trade for him. I think there, there is room for him to just continue to grow within the context of this offense. I'd be trying to trade for him. He's got to be rostered in every league, though. For sure. I the, I think you hit on all the big stuff there. Darius Slayton is a fantastic addition. Nicole Hardman's probably rostered for the Sammy Watkins news. We talked about Sutton. Jerry Judy also suffered what I believe is a rib injury in that game. K.J. Hamler came in for a pretty decent target share, 18% in their absence. I know they're also dealing to the injury with Drew Locke, who is going to be missing multiple games, and they had to start Jeff Driscoll. Absurd decision. Jeff, Jeff Driscoll actually makes more money than Cam Newton. It's just unfathomable to me that there are backups in this league that teams preferred over Cam Newton. But they're rolling with Jeff Driscoll. If you think there's any sort of efficiency, maybe you can take a look at KJ Hamler. We also saw Cam Akers go down. He has a rib injury. There were rumors that Daryl Henderson was going to see more work ahead of that game anyway. So I'm not sure how much the Cam Akers injury affected it. But the Rams are a team running a ton of plays, and they actually have a really high run rate right now. When this backfield is narrowed down to two guys, so right now, if Akers misses time, it would be Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. I think Daryl Henderson's worth taking a look at on the waiver wire. What do you think about him? Yeah, Daryl Henderson's a guy I was stashing in all my best ball leagues because I did see them. And we saw it, like you said, going into this week, you know, McVeigh and other beat reporters said that it seems like or they want to run a, a backfield by committee. I think McVeigh even talked in the offseason that he looked at what San Francisco did and how they utilized their, their running backs as, as pieces of, a, of an overall unit. 
and he wanted to do the same thing. And he saw that as San Francisco just rolled over them. So for me, this is how they want to play. And unfortunately, now it means they kind of have to contend to a 50-50 split with Akers out for, we don't know how long, but I would assume it's a multi-week or two injury. So for me, I am definitely picking up Daryl Henderson. I don't know if he has quite the long-term Deion Lewis upside, but I think he probably falls into, if he's a free agent, I would put him number two. I think, how do you feel about him versus Mike Davis? I think I would take him over Mike Davis because I think he's probably more talented, although his rookie season might say otherwise. All right. So I, we just got news in the chat, Christian McCaffrey out four to six weeks. So I had a follow-up question and then we'll get on to our quarterback streamers and everything else in our show. So last part of big news, it is a question about Mike Davis versus Deion Lewis. And I guess we can include Daryl Henderson in there with the news that he's out four to six weeks specifically. Does that make you at least a little more intrigued by Mike Davis? Are you willing to move him up your waiver wire rankings now, or is it still kind of Deion Lewis, number one, Mike Davis, then Henderson. Yeah. I mean, four to six weeks is still not an entire season. So I'm going to take Deion Lewis. Although at this point, yeah, actually with that news, I would think that uh, it gives me some security in saying I probably get four good weeks of Mike Davis bell cow. Can you have Mike Davis bell cow? I guess you can. So I, I don't know what that's saying, but I, they're going to, they're going to try, I guess. So yeah, absolutely. I think Mike Davis is, is probably with that news. I was thinking McCaffrey might only be one to two to three weeks. So now that we know it's kind of a longer term thing, uh, you know, mid to long term. Absolutely. Mike Davis probably moves into that number two and Daryl Henderson falls into three. And I would say I would tier them like that. Those are the three guys. And then beyond that, I, I think you could pick up Jarek McKinnon, but he doesn't even fall into the Daryl Henderson tier for me. For sure. I, I, I agree with that, that order at this point, unless we get news that Devontae Freeman signs or something. But yeah. let's move into our streamer discussion and we'll start with the quarterback position. There are a few quarterback injuries. We talked about Drew Locke a little bit. You probably weren't starting Drew Locke anyway. Tyrod Taylor has the chest injury. You probably weren't starting Tyrod Taylor last week either. And Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo was really, really banged up in that game, but he ended up playing through most of it. We'll have to watch his practice status throughout the week. So the Chargers came out and said this morning that they plan to still implement Tyrod Taylor as their starter when healthy. I thought Justin Herbert looked really good. He passed for over 300 yards. He's a, a big 6'6 physical quarterback. He's not a runner in the sense that Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, but he's more of like, how to put this? Um, not exactly a Cam Newton either, but he's more of a big bruising guy. He'll get you the tough yardage when he needs to. He's not afraid to do that. Can people look to Justin Herbert or is this just a risky situation right now? No, I mean, you could definitely look to Justin Herbert. You know, there's not, we haven't had any major high profile injuries. Like I doubt anyone was trying to start Drew Locke outside of like super flex leagues. And uh, on the, on the Jimmy G front, I think I saw high ankle sprain. I'm pretty sure I saw it was either ankle or high ankle sprain. And that's typically a multi-week upwards of like a month to two month injury. So Nick Mullins will almost certainly start Jimmy G played through, I would say two to three drives of the injury. And then at halftime, the game was pretty much over at halftime. So they pulled him and Mostert at halftime. I would imagine Jimmy G's out a few weeks. I don't think that necessarily means you need to start Nick Mullins. He's not any special talent. I will say in 2018 from a clean pocket, which is the most stable quarterback passing stats, he was top five in completion percentage and average like an adjusted completion percentage and average 9.4 yards per attempt. I think Nick Mullins is probably a better pickup than, than Jeff Driscoll is where I draw the line. Justin Herbert though is actually a guy you can get excited about. He looked aggressive. He does have some rushing potential. And if he's going to play like, like he threw for 300 yards in his debut in a debut that he didn't even know he was a starter until I don't know, like 
half hour before, like I locked, I had locked some lineups with Tyrod Taylor in them because he wasn't announced out until after the game started. So Justin Herbert, if you're looking for a quarterback streamer, is the cream of the crop over Jeff Driscoll and Nick Mullins. But I think those guys, Nick Mullins, Jeff Driscoll has some rushing floor, I guess, in like super flex leagues. Maybe they're worth picking up. I'm still not trying to start them this week, though. And Justin Herbert is probably worth like a, a deep start, you know, if you really try to just, I'm going to stream quarterbacks and not drafting one until the 14th round. He's worth the consideration to start. He looked good. For sure. And there were some ramifications for the other players when Justin Herbert went in there, of course. Yeah. Irod last week, he only targets running backs once. The running backs got seven targets this week. They were up over a 20% target share when you combined the workload between Eckler and Joshua Kelly. So I think you got to be excited about Justin Herbert long-term. We just need the word that he will be the starter. And then I would say he's worth a pickup on the Jimmy Garoppolo front. The only concern I have with Garoppolo is, you know, he's a quarterback who's not mobile. Is there a chance that they just hold him out of practice most of the week and then just let him go out there from shotgun and try to do what he can. Uh, he's always going to be, a re-aggravation injury, you know, they could pull him out of the game at any point, like we saw in week two. So I don't think you want to start Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you were, I think you start looking to some of our other waiver wire ads. So we'll go through some streamers. Now we are going to classify this as players that aren't owned in 50% of leagues. So you need to be under that 50% threshold. And the only guy that's on our list above it is Joe Burrow. I think Kyle and I just want to point out if Joe Burrow is available in your league, which he might be, just go and pick up Joe Burrow. I don't think there's any other analysis. Anything to add on Burrow? Yeah, I mean, they're going to lose a lot of games, and they are going to pass a ton when they lose those games. So even if, like, it doesn't look pretty, Joe Burrow is a guy that you have to at least have rostered in all leagues. For sure. There aren't too many quarterbacks in tough matchups, so I think the streamer conversation at QB isn't maybe what it would be in different weeks. You know, like Josh Allen's going up against the Rams, who have been a pretty tough matchup to start the year. We have Atlanta going to Chicago. I don't think Chicago is the formidable defense that it once was. Patrick Mahomes is going to Baltimore. I don't think you ever bench Patrick Mahomes. We have Deshaun Watson taking on, on Pittsburgh, who's been a very tough matchup to start the year. So I don't think there's as many tough decisions to make. But if you are, I think some people that are potentially on your list, you know, we have Philip Rivers. He's 27% owned across seasonal leagues. Gardner Minshew. 32%. Mitch Trubisky gets that Atlanta defense, which has been so friendly to opposing passers. I don't trust Mitch Trubisky, but he's 7% on in seasonal leagues. Is there any one of those players you would consider between Rivers, Minshew, and Trubisky? Yeah, for me, I would, I would rank them Gardner Minshew first and foremost. I mean, he's like top five in completion percentage, tied second in touchdown passes. We still have two quarterbacks to go Monday night, but he's been playing well, and his team has been putting up points like they I, they had like 30 or 33 points against the titans put up a ton of points against the colts he was mega efficient in that colts game like Minshew is the real deal and it shouldn't be crazy surprising like i know he played in a mike leach system but like leach also scouts quarterbacks that he thinks are incredibly accurate like that's something that he looks for he's not trying to find these project quarterbacks his quarterbacks are typically good at what they do maybe they're not like world beaters but Minshew comes out of a system that i like how it produces quarterbacks or maybe just how it you know, selection bias selects its quarterbacks. Minshew was a guy who I like coming out of college. He's done nothing to push me off of that prior coming into the NFL. He's looked good in two seasons or a season and a, a few extra games. So he's, I think, actually talented, which is not how I feel about Mitch Trubisky. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is very good. Came back down to earth last week, still scored twice, but also threw two intercept interceptions, which is what we should expect from Trubisky. This Atlanta defense is awesome to face as a quarterback. So maybe he is 
the 1v1 better play this week, but Gardner Minshew is, is actually, I think, could be a long-term starter. Also has some rushing upside, or at least a rushing floor. I believe 19 yards in both of his first two games. So Gardner Minshew long-term, but you could argue Trubisky, at least for this specific week, is the guy. Yeah, I like Gardner Minshew a lot this week in particular, facing off against the Dolphins. The Dolphins are allowing the most yards per pass attempt in the NFL through two weeks. So pretty, and they, I mean, Cam Newton didn't really have to throw against them and we know he was super efficient. So certainly looking at Gardner Minshew in the streaming conversation, we had a question in chat about Joe Burrow and Shane asks why he would be the number one waiver claim for us. And I think it's a twofold answer. First, Cincinnati's running so many plays. Between the first two weeks of the year, 77 and a half plays per game. That has, when you look at how that's affected Joe Burrow, because their defense is so shoddy and teams are so easily putting up points against them, we just have immense pass attempts for Burrow. He was 36 pass attempts in week one. And then week two, he has 61 pass attempts. 61, that is not an exaggeration. That is the legitimate number of how many times he threw. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's he's could could end up being like uh, like the vintage like Matt Stafford or Joe Flacco, where those dudes just like led the league in pass attempts, and they're not especially like you know Joe Flacco. We think of as terrible now in the season where he led the league in pass attempts or was up there in pass attempts. He was fine enough that when you give a dude like over six hundred pass attempts in a season, he's gonna have a lot of like three hundred yard games two touchdowns and two interceptions. Joe Burrow also, we especially saw this in week one, has some serious rushing potential. We even saw it dating back to his time at LSU, probably went overlooked because he was also an incredible passer. But when you get a guy dropping back that much, he's going to he's going to scramble a few times. So both has just like pure volume as a passer. He's a talented passer too, but I don't think he's going to be incredibly efficient going forward. You know, he's a rookie and he wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't a full-time starter or wasn't like a, a premium starter until his final college season. But he's going to have the attempts. He's going to have some rushing it's just, it's all there in terms of garbage time, fun quarterbacks for Joe Burrow. For sure. Shane clarified in the chat. He said, he, apparently ESPN has met the number one waiver wire position overall. Now I don't agree with that because of positional value. I think I would yeah. still probably try to put a claim in on Deion Lewis or Mike Davis, just because quarterback is so streamable. I love Joe Burrow. I'm very bullish on him long-term based on the attempts. I mean, the guy has 90 pass attempts through two weeks. He's on pace for over 700 attempts, but still we can find maybe 90% of Burrow on the waiver wire each week. So I do think having Deion Lewis and Mike Davis ahead of him makes a lot of sense. Any qualms with the positional value metrics, I guess, when evaluating your, your waiver wire claims, would you have Burrow number one? No, I would not have Burrow number one. I'd have him at best at three. I still think I would even take Henderson over him. Cause yeah, I think, like this week, I think Mitchell Trubisky probably has a good week against Atlanta. Gardner Minshew is a good matchup, as you said. Gardner Minshew is a great matchup. Actually, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna revise what I said. Gardner Minshew over Mitchell Trubisky, regardless. I love Gardner Minshew. The matchup is comparable enough that I'm gonna just gonna take a better quarterback. He's way better than Mitchell Trubisky and has like a similar rushing floor at this point. But yeah, I think I can get, like you said, 80, 90 percent of Joe Burrow in a guy like Gardner Minshew and a guy like this week, like Mr. Trubisky. Even Justin Herbert was great last week. So those guys can get you close to Joe Burrow, whereas you're not going to find a long-term starting running back on the waiver wire after this week, or you can't at least bank that. Now you can bank that with Deion Lewis, as long as they don't sign Devonta Freeman. You can't even find hardly ever like five to six week starters. You're going to get that in Mike Davis. These are guys who could be RB1s. Like it, it sounds weird to say Mike Davis RB1. It would not be surprising. Like we, We've seen Latavius Murray come in for two games and absolutely melt faces behind Alvin Kamara. We've seen like, like, so many 
bad or running backs we just don't care about. I mean, Deion Lewis was that a few years ago. These guys who are just practice squad players come in out of nowhere. I think Tim Hightower a few years ago won people fantasy championships at the end of the season. It's not surprising because running back is such a product of their environment. So for me, Deion Lewis, Mike Davis, Gerald Henderson, I would take over Burrow. And if you need tight end, you can make tight end a priority as well. Absolutely. I think a couple other streamers, maybe just to touch on, Philip Rivers draws the Jets next week. So that is something to potentially look at. I think they'll probably try to lean on the run, but you can make a case for it. Miami, we talked about the matchup with Gardner Minshew. The Jacksonville defense hasn't exactly been formidable either. They're allowing the fourth most pass yards per attempt, and we get Fitzpatrick going up against Jacksonville there. So maybe a little sneaky shootout potential against two bad defenses. But those are a couple guys I would look at at the quarterback position. Running back becomes far more interesting. There's going to be a lot of people hitting the waiver wire because of this position. And we touched on most of it at the top. We touched on your Saquon. We touched on your, your Mike Davis at this point. Tevin Coleman, Jeremy McKinnon, they become potential ads here. But outside of your clear handcuff backs, which is basically what we, we touched on so far, we have some guys in timeshares or maybe they're just working as change of pace backs, inefficient offenses. The names that come to mind, Alexander Madison, he's owned in 45% of leagues. Chase Edmonds, 42% of leagues. Joshua Kelly, 39% of leagues. They're all clearly listed as backups behind entrenched starters. But when you maybe take a look at one of them over a Daryl Henderson, over a Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'm taking any of those guys over, over those guys, but you could have leagues where Daryl Henderson and Jarek McKinnon are rostered in deeper leagues. Mike Davis and Deion Lewis probably not rostered in any leagues and should be priorities, but you could have places where, you know, Joshua Kelly or Chase Edmonds are, are the best guys available and Kelly is a guy who we've seen in back-to-back weeks now. They have a very clear role for him. I, I can see it's not awfully surprising. Melvin Gordon, as soon as he stepped back into the lineup, didn't relegate Austin Eckler, but they immediately moved into a committee. It's clear that they don't want to give Austin Eckler an entire workload, and he's a pretty small guy. So maybe that is why they're trying to preserve his playmaking ability, keep him healthy for the full year. Last week, Kelly straight up leads the team in rush attempts, beats out Eckler, gets 23, goes for 64 yards, not awfully efficient, but efficiency is kind of wonky with the running back. And he breaks away a long catch. He goes two for 49 through the air. I will say Eckler, like you said, gets a bump from Justin Herbert being in the lineup. I would say so does Joshua Kelly, though, because the offense is probably going to be straight up better and he's not going to rush as many times as a guy like Tyrod Taylor would. So I'd say out of all the guys we have below our premium tier, Joshua Kelly should probably be owned in every league as well. For sure. Another guy I'm kind of interested in is Chase Edmonds. He's had a really active role in the past game, five targets there in week one and then this past week. He returns with another four targets. So, I mean, that's kind of just some cheap PPR flex worthy consideration. Maybe a guy like Latavius Murray also fits this bill. He will play tonight. So we'll have to wait and see what goes on with the new Orleans situation. I actually think we could see more two running back sets. They actually ran mm-hmm. some two running back sets in week one. And now with the Michael Thomas injury, rather than boost up a guy like Benny Fowler, I think they might just try to run a little more Kamara out of the slot. Maybe they use Taysom Hill in some creative ways, but that's just another reason to maybe go out and try to get a Latavius Murray right now while he's cheaper before tonight's game. And speaking of tonight's game, we have plenty of free content over at Osmo.com. First, NFL Showdown ownership projections. So if you're playing that showdown slate tonight, make sure to go check that out. Find out where Latavius Murray, Taysom Hill, where these guys are coming in and what the field is doing so you can get a little bit different and take down that GPP. We also have 
MLB player rankings free today on Osmo.com. As far as some other running backs to potentially target, I mean, we talked about the premier handcuffs. We talked about the premier waiver wire ads behind the bell cows that got hurt. What about some gross backfields? What, what do we do if we have to go to like the dolphins, you know, like miles Gaskin is 15% owned in seasonal leagues. Last year, we saw Patrick Laird. People actually played him for a decent chunk of the year. He actually put up some productive weeks. Is Miles Gaskin worth a waiver wire ad? I would say not in the Divas League. This is a backfield that seems to be want to run by committee. I'm not sure if Gaskins has like a crazy high like touch. Like he can't. He's on Miami. He definitely doesn't have like a crazy high touchdown equity. I would say you'd have to be playing in a league incredibly deep for me to actually get to Miles Gaskins. Honestly, I would rather if you're even if they don't announce a signing tonight. I would rather just take a flyer on Devonta Freeman landing with the Giants because I do think he steps into a PPR role because that is the one the one saving grace he had last year. I would rather just take the the upside shot on Freeman getting some PPR work with the Giants if we don't get the news tonight. So you know you have to kind of put in your waiver claim before on Freeman. I, I can't imagine going to Gaskin. Do you have interest in Gaskin? I just uh, I can't bring myself that deep. You remember at the top of the show when I was telling you how banged up my team is? Oh God! So God, <laughs> Gaskin is already on my roster. I. He's been on my roster for a week now, but I don't have any more positive things to say about him. It seems that his role is decreasing with maybe it just was taking Matt Breida some time to get acclimated after being a trade acquisition during the NFL draft. But Breida, he came up for seven carries, had two targets this week. Gaskin still led the backfield with seven carries, seven targets himself. So I, I don't know if you're taking a complete dart throw approach to this Miami backfield. It's going to be a three-way split, I guess. Gaskin is the one you'd prefer out of the three. I still don't feel great about that. As far as just pure handcuffs, maybe for long-term stashes, anyone else you might look at at the running back position. I think we hit on Madison Edmonds, maybe a guy like Tony Pollard or someone you'd look at, or is this pretty much it with running back? Yeah, you mentioned Latavius Murray. He should, I mean, maybe you're playing in a really shallow league, but I'm trying to own him everywhere because one, we know he has RB like one overall, essentially, especially now with the the top end running backs being quite depleted. He literally has RB one overall upside. He scored over 30 points in the two games he started. And I think in a game, if you expect them to absolutely trash their opponents and there will be some games where the Saints beat up on their opponents bad, he'll get some garbage time work. He got some garbage time work in week one. So I think he has like if you're really hard pressed at running back has, you know, punching in a touchdown or getting garbage time work upside or at least that sort of projection in his range of outcomes and then he absolutely goes berserk if anything happens to Alvin Kamara so I would say even over Tony Pollard I feel better about owning Latavius Murray he's a guy who maybe there are some leagues that are just too shallow to be taking zeros on your bench or you know two points on your bench but if I have had any roster space available I'm trying to get Murray on my roster he's like one of my highest owned if not my highest owned running back in best ball he's a fantastic target and if he's rostered throw out some feelers for him try to get him in a trade now, moving over to the wide receiver position, word coming through the chat, Chris Godwin passes concussion protocol. Perfect. <laughs> Happy to see that. Now, wide receiver isn't a position like running back. It's not even a position like quarterback or tight end. When guys get hurt, usually we do not see one player step up one for one. You know, Deion Lewis and Mike Davis are, are such attractive waiver wire commodities because there's a chance that they just assume a bell cow role. With wide receiver, Oftentimes, teams take more or less a committee approach when replacing them. We did have a number of injuries. Paris Campbell goes down, you know, existing injuries already with Rashad Perriman. He gets hurt. Jameson Crowder was already hurt. 
Cortland Sutton, just to name a few. So we do have to replace some of these guys. Rather than go one for one, I'm trying to pick up some players that already have roles on their teams. And kind of going down the list of some players that aren't highly owned across seasonal links, we have Alan Lazard, 47% owned. Brandon Ayuk, 36% owned in seasonal leagues. Jalen Rieger, 30, 35%. Preston Williams, 35%. Nikhil Harry, 27%. Do any of them stick out as potential claims that you can insert into your lineup if maybe you are a Cortland Sutton owner and he misses next week? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to steal some stats from you. Nikhil Harry, back-to-back games over a 25% target share. It seems like they're just going to – the Patriots are just going to run – a two receiver system with these guys. I know like Demir Bird, I think had an okay game, especially given his showdown price, but uh, it seems like they have a clear top two and that involves Nikhil Harry, a former first round pick out of Arizona state who I actually thought was like quite talented coming in. He had the dominator. He had the breakout age. He's a guy who I would be particularly high on getting on all of my teams if I need a receiver, because I think he doesn't have like contingent value like Lazard who right now Devonte Adams a little nicked up, he left the game, it was like with an ankle or leg injury. It didn't seem to maybe matter too much. They were killing the Lions by that point. But I think his best case scenario is that he's the 2B or 2A. He's always going to be competing with Bouda Scantling. And he's always going to be competing with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones actually like led the team in receiving yards, I believe, uh, last he's week. He's done that before. Yeah, it, that's what we... He can, he's like pseudo-receiver. Like I think he doesn't get enough credit as being one of these... like. Maybe he's not volume-wise Christian McCaffrey, but like when a team needs to rely on a running back out of the backfield, Aaron Jones can be the guy. He was that guy when Devontae Adams was out last year. So Alan Lazard, I don't know if I could really ever see him just like dominating targets for his team. Nikhil Harry, I believe, could be the 1B to Julian Edelman. He could go downfield unlike Julian Edelman or in a way that Edelman just maybe not doesn't have the athleticism to do at this point in his career. So Nikhil Harry, out of all the guys you mentioned, I'm very high on. We have to start talking about Russell Gage, too, because you look at this Falcons team, they are not going to be able to stop a single one of their opponents this year. Their defense is so bad. And we've seen last year they were like 40, almost 43 attempts per game, pass attempts. No other team topped 40. Like they are going to absolutely air the ball out. And they have a quarterback who's certainly capable of doing that. He is a number three receiver, but on offense that is so high flying, you actually can really consider putting Russell Gage in like your deeper flex teams. For sure. I agree with that 100%. I love the outlook on Nikhil Harry. We're, we're getting some news from the chat. Adams has a hamstring, and that makes sense. He was in and out of last week's game, and we'll have to see some practice reports on him. Paris Campbell with a PCL injury. Looks like he is out indefinitely. We just don't have a timetable on him right now. A couple of other questions from the chat. There's about 100 of you watching, so if you could hit that thumbs up button, make sure to do that. That is the best way to support all of us over at Osmo. Dot com and subscribe, hit that notification bell so you know when everything is live. Someone asks in the chat, um, Keelan Cole, LaVisca Chenault, or Russell Gage? If I was ranking them, for me, it would be Gage 1, Chenault 2, Keelan Cole 3. And Chenault comes in at number 2 because he's kind of being used as a hybrid. He's like, his role is kind of what I thought Chris Thompson's would be, except his targets, rather than just being targets out of the backfield, Chenault will like run out of the slot and actually get legit wide receiver targets. So you're getting the best of both worlds. When he's in the backfield, you essentially know they're trying to scheme something up from him. And when he's running out of the slot, when he's playing true wide receiver, he's getting targets downfield, not the Chris Thompson dump offs. So I like Chenault quite a bit. For me, it would be Gage, Chenault, Keelan Cole. What do you think on that order? I'm going to go Chenault, Gage, Keelan, Keelan Cole. Oh, you're going Chenault. All right. 
I, I love Chenault. I can't, I can't not do Chenault. I think coming out of Colorado State, I believe he was an incredible dominator, incredible breakout age. And typically you see with guys like his athleticism was a bit lacking, although I believe it was a core injury that he entered the combine with. So it's hard to even, I think he's probably more athletic than his raw numbers show. So, and especially when you see a guy coming out of college who gets it done in a myriad of ways, he was, this is completely unsurprising how he's being used because he was used as like a wildcat quarterback. I believe he had some special teams contribution. Those are guys like that's how you can spot these like deeper breakouts. A guy like Antonio Brown was sort of the prime example of when people started getting into breakout ages and dominators that he didn't fit those molds necessarily. But when guys are are effective in other ways, when teams get them on the field as, say, a running back or when they are very effective as punt returners or kick returners, those are also like good positive signals for impending NFL breakouts. Chenault meets all those marks. He's had a good two weeks in the NFL so far on an offense that I think is trending in the right direction. So I'm going to take the number two receiver and the more talented receiver over the number three receiver on undoubtedly a much more fun offense for fantasy points. But Gage and Schnold are both right there. This is a tough choice for me, and I think I'm just going to go with my love of Schnold. It makes sense. And I this could be a situation where you have to look at your roster. Did you have Barkley? Did you have Christian McCaffrey? Do you need someone to play right now? If that's the case, maybe you do go with Gage because he's yeah. locked into a target share right now. But if your team is a contender and you can afford to sit back a couple weeks on mm-hmm. someone that might be a wide receiver one for you down the stretch, I think waiting on a guy like Chenault makes sense. I think waiting on Nikhil Harry, who we've talked about at length. And man, the tweets were hilarious last night talking about Julian Edelman looking gassed because he's run like further downfield than Tom Brady could ever throw with Cam Newton. One other player I think that you want to look at who is more of this long-term stash, long-term upside is, is Jalen Rieger. Now we're seeing his snapshot increase over these two weeks. He starts out, he's around 50% in week one. He jumps to 85% in week two. Now it didn't really manifest itself in production in the box score, but Rieger's quietly playing the wide receiver one role for this offense. He comes in, Just four targets last week. That's behind Goddard. That's behind Ertz. We expect that. But he's running a lot of routes. He is seeing some targets, and I expect that to increase as he grows within the offense. So he's just another one of these. Maybe you take this long-term approach if you're a contender and you stash Rieger on your bench. He's only owned in 35% of leagues. Are you interested in Rieger at all? Yeah, Rieger, another guy I like coming out of college. I like a lot of of college players, in fact. You're not the rookies, uh, man. Yeah, I, I do. I love me some rookies and just uh, I, too many dynasty leagues. Apparently I would take Chenault over him. I would even take probably take Gage over him because I do think that they have a number one and a potentially number two receiver, two number one receivers already in their tight ends. So I'm not sure. Like I like Chenault's competition better for targets. I don't think there's they have a bunch of like ancillary pieces and DJ Chark, who I'm probably not as high on Chark's target share as I would be as the combined target share of Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. But I do think Rieger is a guy worth stashing, especially on teams that can afford to just take a guy and wait on him on their bench. But I would take Harry over him because I think Harry has like the exact same type of upside, but probably is producing right now versus Rieger, who may or may not be. And this Eagles offense looks a bit scuffed. So I I, uh, I think Rieger's worth stashing in some deeper leagues, but on my more shallow leagues, he probably stays on the waiver wire. I like Rieger a lot. It, it definitely does depend on the depth of your waiver wire. If you can stash him, I think you should. There's a question from the chat. It says, I need help at wide receiver. Should I target Robbie Anderson or Tannehill? If you need help at wide receiver, I think you should definitely go Robbie Anderson, in my opinion. Robbie Anderson, if he's on your waiver wire, he makes a lot of sense. I know DJ Moore is their alpha, but Robbie Anderson on a team that should throw a ton, if you can get him, I think go for it. 
Yeah, especially now that they're going to be without their like target hog running back for a few weeks. Like I talked about with Saquon Barkley, but even probably more so with the the Carolina team, you expect some of those targets to find their way to receivers because they're as much as we saw a bunch of targets from Mike Davis. I don't think he's going to be Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to say confidently Mike Davis is not Christian McCaffrey. So in my opinion, that does move some of their already pass heavy team targets two guys like Robbie Anderson and DJ Morris. Yeah, Robbie Anderson, a guy who I, I think you can definitely target, gives you a ton of upside on a weekly basis too. And I'm typically shooting for a lot of upside. Like I'm just, guys like Jamison Crowder just aren't doing it for me, you know, even if he's healthy or whatever. I'm looking for big play upside on as many of my roster spots as I can get. For sure. One last long-term question at wide receiver and then we'll move along to tight end. Say you drafted AJ Green. You used a mid-round pick on AJ Green. He, to put this lightly, has been a little bit disappointing this year. T. Higgins comes in for the first time this year, plays over 50% of the snaps. Auden Tate's inactive. A.J. Green is just ineffective. If you're a disgruntled A.J. Green owner, are you stashing T. Higgins, who is 3% owned in seasonal leagues, on your roster, on your taxi squad, and waiting for a potential breakout? Yeah, I think he falls like uh, behind basically all the guys we've talked about, especially because I don't know – I can't really see him – completely usurping green. I think green will always be a part of the offense, although green not looking great. Tyler Boyd also seems to have a, a consistent weekly role out of the slot. So the volume will be nice on the team, but overall I still think he has a capped upside versus guys like Nikhil Harry guys, like even Russell Gage, I would say he falls below all of those guys and maybe I'd slot him in around like the Alan Lazard range. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think T Higgins if you're in deep leagues, you can take a look at him, but he's always going to have more target competition than Nikhil Harry, than a guy like Jalen Rieger, and of course, Chenault as well. But before we move on to tight end, I want to tell you guys about Yahoo. They are the title sponsor of today's show. So Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, they are the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV uploads and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices and choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. They have a great product over there. Moving on to the tight end position, we it's a position that's similar to quarterback in the sense that it's a position that's widely available week to week to stream when your guys have buys, when they get hurt. You know, if you had if you had George Kittle last week, you could have plucked Logan Thomas off the waiver wire, inserted him into your lineup and felt really good. Same goes for a guy like Dalton Schultz. Speaking on those two quickly, Logan Thomas is still only 32% owned in seasonal leagues. Dalton Schultz is 2% owned in seasonal fantasy leagues. Do you have a preference between the two or should you just be running out to get both? Yeah, I think, I mean, Dalton Schultz went berserk in an awesome fun game, but I'm going to go with Logan Thomas. I think you can just project him much more comfortably to be his team's second receiver where Schultz, despite having a good game, what you're still projecting him in the best case scenario to be like a fourth receiver on his team behind all three actual wide receivers. And I would even say it's comfortable to say he's right in line with Ezekiel Elliott in terms of targets. So, you know, a, a four B situation for him, whereas Logan Thomas at worst, the number two receiver, he was, he was out targeted only by one target to Terry McLaurin's 10. He had nine and he got a ton of air yards in week one. I think he's at least a one B guy on his team. And I don't think the Washington is just going to absolutely roll over every week. They didn't score a ton of points against you know Arizona but I do think this is a team that can at least put up points in, in certain spots like we saw against Philly so Logan Thomas as like uh this year's Darren Waller a guy who maybe is not on the most exciting team but is going to rack up targets every week is a guy who should be owned in every league 
other than that, Dalton Schultz probably a good pickup, a long-term pickup, unlike some other guys like Jordan Reed. I think you know you can project him for a better a better stat line than Drew Sample next week. But Jordan Reed, uh, that's as long as Kittle's out. As soon as Kittle comes back in, Reed probably gets relegated to a rotational role. So despite still looking like he has something left in the tank, I just don't want, uh, you know, when there are guys who I think I can get long-term value out of, I'm not going to take a one-week, a one-week two-point advantage when I think I can pick up Logan Thomas and start him every single week from here on out. So for me, Logan Thomas, still the cream of the crop. Dalton Schultz, probably the number two pickup, though, in terms of tight end. Yeah, I agree with your ordering. I, you have to worry about Dwayne Haskins. He looked very brutal, and he tanked a lot of my my DFS lineups last week. But eight and nine targets for Logan Thomas in back-to-back weeks. Dalton Shorts, of, of course, I think you nailed it. He's going to be the fourth wide receiver there, if you want to call him that, fourth pass catcher. Jordan Reed, I mean, he comes out with the big box score, but he only played so far this year. If we want to just look at – so I, I found a stat with George Kittle out. I'll just read it to you guys. He's only played on 28 of 61 snaps with George Kittle out. 15 of those snaps were in the slot. One was out wide. That's par for the course with him. Eight targets. So playing 28 snaps and he sees eight targets. That is an incredible target rate, but I still think it's a little bit unsustainable when you compare it to the locked in role that we see from Logan Thomas. So I wouldn't be blowing your fa fa budget on Jordan Reed right now. Do you have any interest in some of these ancillary tight ends? I mean, we could look to Mo Alley Cox. We saw Jack Doyle was out. We'll have to watch his status. He pops up with the big game. You hit on Drew Sample already. CJ Uzoma is out for the year. Cincinnati spent a second round pick on Drew Sample in 2019. He's only 1% owned. Are you interested in Drew Sample as a guy who could potentially play an every down role in an offense that has already thrown the ball 90 times through two weeks? Yeah, Drew Sample was taken, I believe, out of Washington as like primarily a blocker. I think he got like 250 yards in his best college season. But if he's going to be on the field nearly every down for a team that is going to be throwing it you know, 40 times a game or something, yeah, you have to consider him. We saw in that final drive, he like he was in showdown, I think he was like two or 400. And he absolutely backdoor smashed, catching like three or four passes on the final drive with Uzoma out. So, yeah, he's a guy that looking really deep. You know, maybe you get a better projection from Jordan Reed next week, assuming Kittle is still out, which isn't even guaranteed. But Sample long term at least has some potential because he is in the right situation, even if I don't love him as a talent. So I would put him ahead of Moali Cox, a guy who is athletic, but as soon as Jack Doyle comes back, gets relegated to the bench. I would still keep him below Dalton Schultz, though. I'd probably put him a hair above Jordan Reed unless you really just need to win one week. Agreed. We just got some horrifying news from the chat. Um Apparently, Cortland Sutton's knee injury is a little more severe. There's rumors it oh, could no. be season-ending. I mean, that's really tough to hear. Just yep. kind of off-the-cuff analysis, that's a really tough situation to target now just with the quarterback woes. Even when Drew Locke is healthy, I don't think he's anything anything special. And it, we just got news from the chat on Drew Locke as well, out two to six weeks. Yep. I think you immediately look to Jerry Judy. I know he's banged up right now. KJ Hamler's maybe a deeper look, but speaking to the tight end position, Noah Fant probably plays a larger role as well. Any instant reactions from the Cortland Sutton rumors? Yeah, I would be trying to get KJ Hamler everywhere. I'm assuming Noah Fant is owned in almost every league, so it's I'm not going to tell you to go and pick him up. He shouldn't be available. But, uh, I mean, Noah, Noah Fant, a guy who produced as a young rookie, like rookies, tight ends, rarely ever produce. And when they do, it typically points to long-term value. Now, I believe this scored in both of his games this season. He is, he is a stud tight end. Like, he is going to absolutely smash this season because it either happens as – 
you know, the Broncos are a decent passing offense or he just like he has such a target floor, a target share floor. So whether or not they're good, I don't think really impacts him because he's going to have so many targets. It's more of the upside that Drew Locke comes back and plays well. The floor is still being essentially his team's number one receiver right now. KJ Hamler, KJ Hamler probably moves. If this is actually a long term injury, probably moves a bit up. I still think it's very clear that Judy would be the one, but he probably moves up into that like Alan Lazard, Brandon Ayuk, still below Jalen Rieger, but in that range of inner deeper leagues, you can pick him up. I would even take him over T Higgins, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Some questions from the chat. Um, a lot of people asking if they should trade their marquee players that are hurt, not Saquon. It's more so the McCaffrey's. And I don't think you should trade them. I just can't see a situation where you're getting value. For me, it would probably have to be, I don't know, 90% of Christian McCaffrey. So maybe you're looking at like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but I don't know who's going to give that up for a hurt McCaffrey. Nobody has McCaffrey's ceiling. And what you really want to do in fantasy, especially season long, is lock in wins, week to week wins. So I think you try to just hit the waiver wire. Someone asks about trading George Kittle. They have John U. Smith. I'm not a long term John U. Smith believer. I think he really benefited from the A.J. Brown injury, and he still only has five targets last week. He has three touchdowns on the year in two games. We know touchdowns are the most variant stats as far as pass catchers go. So do not trade George Kittle for just because you picked up John U. Smith on the waiver. And as far as trading your studs that are hurt, as long as it's not a long term injury, I think you just ride them out and hope that they return to the value that you ultimately drafted them for any takes on that no i agree and i, I am aligned on the uh johnny smith slander i'm not not particularly interested in oh, him. Man, i'm this not trying to slander the guy it's just it's unsustainable it's what he's doing like that kind of on both his, his targets like five targets isn't even that impressive given the context of aj brown being out so yeah once brown comes back you really are just relying on like five targets for a touchdown touchdowns being so variant i think there are much better pickups than him like i would probably put him in that range of like Dalton Schultz where like not sure what's going to happen, but he has some upside Logan Thomas. I would still rank season long ahead of him. And uh, yeah, don't, I wouldn't really be trading any of the studs. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know. I don't think there's anyone who's going to offer what they're worth as at least my experience trying to move off of injured players. Yeah. If someone does give you a good deal, Maybe they're a team with two wins and they offer you, I don't know, like Clyde Edwards Slayer for McCaffrey. Maybe you consider it if you're own two, but other than that, I don't think you do it. Not like if you get someone outbids you for Mike Davis and they try to pair like David Montgomery, Mike Davis for McCaffrey, do not do that trade. Yeah. And you know, some like I will get that offer somewhere too. It's like the exact offer you would see. Someone claims, claims him off the waiver, claims Dion Lewis or whatever, pairs him with like Devin Singletary and is like, you need wins now. You should take this. Don't do that. Now, so let's let's move on to another streamable position. We have defenses, defenses even more variant than your tight end position. And there's a lot of good defenses on waivers. Like, my goodness, Tampa Bay's 50% owned. They face that Denver team next week. Ooh, if Tampa Bay is available, I think you just click the button. I'm willing to spend a decent amount of fob on them, too, for what is a great spot. Indianapolis faces the Jets. They're 40% owned. Arizona's taking on Detroit. They are 47% owned. The Chargers get Carolina. We've seen that team be pretty brutal in a negative game script. They're going to throw a lot. That leads to a lot of potential turnovers. So Los Angeles Chargers, 30% owned. Washington football team is taking on Cleveland. They are 16% owned. Any interest in any of the defensive streamers we just mentioned? Yeah, Tampa Bay, a talented defense playing against uh, Jeff freaking Driscoll. Absolutely smashed that. Colts versus a banged up and poorly coached and seemingly not great quarterback. Jets team smashed them as well. 
that's they're in a tier of their own. If you can get those guys or those defenses, you absolutely want to play those defenses. Play play defenses against Jeff Triscoll and Sam Donald should not be a hard strategy to follow. It seems like that will print money every week. Outside of that, I think Washington versus Cleveland could be interesting. I know the Cleveland line was dealing with some injuries in week two and the Washington front seven is, is monstrous. So for me, I, I, they're not nearly as, as awesome as Indy or Tampa Bay. But that's a spot you could look to, and they are the lowest owned of the teams we've looked at so far. So they're the most available. It's the most applicable information I can give is that Washington's front seven is good. Baker Mayfield tends to make mistakes at times. They could fluster him. So I think they're not a bad spot either. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's much nuance to add with defenses. Those are your best matchups. Carolina without McCaffrey, I think the Chargers make some sense too. They'll be playing from what looks like Carolina, this is negative game script. Now, our last topic, we like to talk about sneaky look-ahead spots. We leave this kind of open to interpretation a little bit. Sneaky look-ahead spots, this could be handcuffs to stash on your roster for long-term upside. We'd like your Chase Edmonds, your Latavius Murray. It's also an immediate situation, you know, maybe the wide receiver three in a high total game. You know, if you could get Russell Gage last week and you played him in that Dallas game, you were sitting pretty. So first thing, let's talk about some really important games for next week where you could pick up maybe a third receiver and start him. One matchup I think is Seattle-Dallas. We're looking at this Dallas team every week, it seems now. This total is going to be massive. It's already pushing 50 points. And uh, I see a little note from here. Please don't let me fade Dallas again in the chat. So tell me about the Seattle-Dallas game. Who are some ancillary plays we might want to pick up and start here? Yeah, I would imagine all the guys are owned on the Dallas side except for Dalton Schultz. And although I like, I think last week Dalton Schultz, I talked about him, was mostly like seems like a guy who would be a blocker. If he's going to be on the field for every play of not only a pass-heavy offense like we talk about with Drew Sample, but a awesome pass-heavy offense. I think they're an efficient, aggressive passing offense in a spot where they're going to be a ton of points, assumedly. Dalton Schultz actually makes a ton of sense, and it's probably the reason I would pick him up over anyone not named Logan Thomas. And it's probably actually looking at this matchup like a pretty wide golf because if he's going to be on the field for every every snap or most every snap of Dallas's matchup with Seattle, that's a great spot. Beyond that, Detroit, Arizona, Arizona team that has won both of their games and is still playing at a high pace, which is really exciting because when we talk about like uh, lower down the list, Cincinnati versus Philly, Philly doesn't look very good. So that's probably why they're playing a lot of games that are playing a lot of snaps. And the same with Cincinnati, Arizona every week is just going to want to fly around the field. So anytime I can get ancillary pieces or just any pieces of their games, maybe if Kenny Galladay misses time, you could dip back into Quintez Cephas. TJ Hawkinson is a guy that I would love to play in this matchup. Those are those are spots I really want to target. Yeah, Buffalo, Los Angeles Rams is quietly a pace up spot. Buffalo running a ton of plays while playing from ahead to I think maybe it puts Zach Moss or someone like that into consideration. The Rams, we talked about the runners at length, so I won't talk much about Daryl Henderson there. The Chargers have been playing fast too, and they looked a lot better with Herbert. Hopefully they can stick with him. We've seen Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen come in with some pretty nice target games. Joshua Kelly's probably a fringe guy you'd consider there. Carolina, we hit on Mike Davis. And then the Cincinnati Philly spot, we touched on some T Higgins love and some Jalen Rager. So if you're just taking a look at some really deep players that you might want to target based on matchup, I think that makes a lot of sense. As for our handcuff sneaky look ahead, is there a handcuff you're looking to? I know you're heavy on Latavius Murray. I'm going to go with Chase Edmonds, just talking about this Arizona team. 75.5 plays per game right now. Chase Edmonds functioning as the main pass catching back. If there is an injury to Kenyon Drake, I think Chase Edmonds is someone you already want on your team, so you do not have to fight your league mates off on the waiver wire. Is there anyone like that for you? 
I'm actually going to double down Chase Edmonds. Another, I I just had so many of these like backup, but maybe standalone value guys. And Chase Edmonds of all the of all the handcuffs, I actually think probably has the most standalone value. Assuming you play in a PPR league, so what you said five and four targets. It seems like maybe it's just the the pace they play at that is outside of like quarterback and offensive line. You want to try and get these guys breathers at some point. Chase Edmonds' skill set leans him towards getting in the game as a pass catcher. So I think he, if you are suffering from the the Saquon Barkley or CMC injuries you're worried about a guy like you know david montgomery who's banged up he had a nice catch though to his credit you know if you are thin at running back he's a guy who gives you a ton of upside if Kenyon drake gets hurt and then actually has some standalone value as a pass catcher we saw him score in week one so he's a guy who gives you at least a a non-zero at running back if you really need it and of course has immense upside so i like him both as a upside and floor play as much as you can get floor plays off the waiver wire for sure a couple last questions Thoughts on Devontae Freeman waiver pickup? I think you can go to it. He's down our list a little bit. He'd be behind guys like Mike Davis, like Deion Lewis, like Daryl Henderson, probably even a guy like Jarek McKinnon. But what I'll say on this right now, if you're making a waiver claim and he hasn't signed with a team yet, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get Devontae Freeman. Say he signs with a team today and waivers don't run through till Tuesday night. He's going to be more expensive in your FOB budgets. More people are going to want Devontae Freeman. There's another question, dropping Scotty Miller. I think you can probably drop him in most leagues, depending on the depth, just because Chris Godwin now reportedly has passed concussion protocol. Scotty Miller will drop to third on that receiving totem pole. So I think you can drop Scotty Miller safely. And maybe Scotty Miller's a guy I think I would drop in favor of a Chenault, um, um, a Rieger, a Nikhil Harry. I would certainly make that. What about what do you think about dropping Scotty Miller for one of those guys? Yeah, given the uh, the amount uh, or the percentage that these guys are rostered, like Chanel, like, you know, Harry, even like Rieger, you can get number two receivers for cheap, for waiver wire bids, for free agents. Some of these guys will clear waivers this week, whereas with uh, with him, it's like with Scotty Miller, Mike Evans looks to be completely healthy at this point. Chris Godwin coming back from concussion, he shouldn't really be – that's not an injury I think will, like, limit him going forward. It's not like a soft tissue ankle injury or something. So, yeah, clearly a number three receiver on his team. I will absolutely be taking almost any of those guys we talked about, you know, Chanel, Gage, Harry, Rieger. He falls like on the T Higgins tier where I think he's hardly rosterable unless you're in a really deep league, assuming we get a full, a full set of weapons for Tampa Bay. I agree. And nice question in the chat. That was a good one. Made me think a little bit, but that'll do it for our show today. Again, we are sponsored by Yahoo fantasy. Thank you all for tuning in and make sure to hit that thumbs up button before you head out. He is Kyle Dvorak at Kyle Tweets here. I am Matt Kajeski at Matt underscore Kajeski. Thank you guys for watching. We will be back again for another Waiver Wire show next Monday. We will see you later and have a great day.